Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right, episode 14, Asking Why Podcast. Um, Haseem Jones. What's going on, bro? Welcome, man. What's up? Nothing much, man. Um, I was about to get started a little bit too early, but I'm excited about this podcast, uh, this episode, this topic, because I think it's something uh, we all think about and we all feel, but we just don't, don't, we don't really discuss it. Men don't really have places to talk about being dads. Right. Yeah. So the topic today for our listeners is going to be uh, dadding, all things dadding. For real. Um, what it's like to be a dad, what it's like to be therapists that are dads, uh, a little bit of what, about what it's be like to be a black dad and a white dad and, you know, just all the things that we can go over. So uh, Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas, brother. I know we got Christmas coming up. I mean, we're about to get a break here in another couple of weeks. And I think one of the things we both know is, you know, that break is a little different with children. Heck yeah. What break? What do you mean? Right. <laughs> what break? People are like, hey, you had a great Thanksgiving. You took the whole week off. Man, please. Like, my parents did the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> you know, I'm a stay at, not a stay-at-home dad, but when you're at home, man, you're not off. And I think uh, that's one of the, the things I brought to you. It's like, man, we need to do this because I'm a very involved dad. Like, I, I consider myself to be super involved, super engaged with my kids, and try to be um, aware you know, of what's going on in their life and being as active as I can, but that never stops. You mm-hmm. don't, you never get time for yourself. And it's like the three hours or two hours a day that you get to yourself. Well, now you got to be a husband, Yep. you know? So it's like, you never get a, a chance to turn those things off. So finding out you get I, three hours a day that you get. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, just, I don't get three hours man. a day. I'm saying once we put the kids down for seven, seven thirty, well now we got about three hours. Oh, okay. For, you can for, last longer than me. I got about an hour. I'm about nine o'clock. I'm nine o'clock? to go to sleep, oh, man. I'm tired. You need to get your, uh, senior citizens discount. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. If I start reading a book at like nine, I'm like, so, oh man. Yeah. yeah. And like get two pages in, I'm like this is great. I'm gonna stay up for another hour and then. Nah, man. I, now I'm not up consciously doing anything with any type of effort. Yeah. But I, my eyes are open. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm 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 present. You know. But um, now nah, this is a, a exciting topic, and man, I it's 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 cool to do it with with you because I know you outside of CDC, and um, I know you just just for being, you know, the person that you are. Like we've had a relationship outside of CDC and I I truly have seen the struggles you've gone through with being a father and being mm-hmm. a new father, you know, and, and, and taking everything that came with what what was going on with your, your kids and all the trips and all those things. So 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 living it vicariously through Facebook because you post a lot and you just like you empathize and you and you you feel bad and you, you wanna help and then you then I have kids and it's like, oh man. 
you don't have time for nothing. <laughs> like, you don't like friends get put on the back burner, activities get put on the back burner, interests, and it's, so it's a delicate balance. So I hope the dads out there can uh, learn something from this today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you were gonna say something about your girls and yeah, man. So man, my girls are hyped up for pajama day oh, at yeah. Montessori, brother. My uh, Layla came to me th- uh, this morning. She's done it every morning, but this morning specifically, she made sure she got my attention. Uh-huh. Daddy, I gotta wear my pajamas on Friday, and I want pajamas with the foot with the footies on them. I said. Baby, well, you're kind of tall. I don't know if they make pajamas with the footies on them for you. Daddy, that's what I want. And, and <laughs> I want pajamas. I don't want to wear socks. When was this, yesterday? This was this morning. Oh, yeah. Every morning. <laughs> you got one day to get pajamas with I footies. Got, I got to find the pajamas with the footies in them. So we were on Amazon last night scrolling. She likes unicorns. That's just the theme right now. She likes unicorns. Yep. So I'm like, now I can get these $25 pajamas with the unicorn feet my wife looked at me 25 dollars for one thing one set of pajamas she said no we're not doing it. i said well baby i'm not dealing with that that crying that falling out that you can deal with it because i'm gonna try my hardest to get it so if we can't find it at target if we can't find it locally at walmart target or uh kid to kid or somewhere mm-hmm. that that's got something for kids around here I'm ordering this and I'm on Amazon Prime and it's going to be here Thursday and that's just going to be what it is, you know? So, but yeah, man, it's, 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 that's a lot of responsibility to not want to disappoint your kids, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I didn't realize that, um, as a kid that my mom might've been dealing with, with some of that, but just not want to disappoint your kids and trying to provide and trying to protect and trying to make sure they have fun and trying to be stern and trying to be nurturing. It's, it's a, it's a lot, a lot of, it's a lot to try. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yep. So, well, my Grady's excited too. He, uh, I think, I guess they found out yesterday that it was pajama yeah, day, which again, that's a whole nother thing about being a parent is when you find out something three days before the thing mm-hmm. and you're supposed to have things cooked for it you know, things mm-hmm. dressed for it, you know, decorations for it. And you're just like, I got life. Absolutely. There's a hundred things going on. Now I got to figure out pajamas. Absolutely. Yeah. Grady has, you know, all kinds of pajamas. And he decided that none of those were good because it's a special day. I'm exactly. like, well, you got 50, you know, five pairs of pajamas in there. Absolutely. You got Darth Vader, you got, you know, Yoda, you got R2D2, you got all your favorite Star Wars. Oh no, there's not, we need some new ones. Absolutely. Got like, my friends are going to see these. I'm like, come on, man. And that's exactly she said. My, I need new pajamas. The current pajamas weren't good enough. You know what I'm saying? The current she wanted pajamas with the feet in them. She yeah. so it's like okay. Well. She got to walk around. She's thinking right. She's like I got to walk around all day in the in the classroom. It's wet and cold. They can't go outside. Yeah. So yeah, our kids go to school together at Montessori mm-hmm. here in Treeport. Um, that's been a really cool thing for me. Uh, you know, for our kids to see each other pulling up and smile and mm-hmm. be super excited to see each other and come home talking about you know Absolutely. one or the other. So, yeah, tell me about, you know, for the listener out there, tell me who you are, what you do, and your age of your kids. Gotcha. So I'm uh, Haseem Jones. I'm a therapist here at Clint Davis Counseling. Man, I've been doing therapy since, uh, man, when you, when you allow me to come on over here? Uh, it's almost two years now. So two years at, at CDC, but just working in the mental health field probably since about 2010 or so. Um, I got two littles. I got a... My oldest is Layla. She's four. Nova uh, is my youngest. She's three. And they are constantly going, constantly in want, 
constantly in need of something and it's uh i love it but it's taxing uh-huh. you know what i'm saying you you just want it's like is nothing ever just okay like you can't just <laughs> all these things that we that you p- can play with and you can watch tv if you want to watch go outside and jump on the trampoline if you want it's that that's not enough you still need something okay well what is that you know what i'm saying so it's um it's beautiful but it's it, it can become overwhelming if you're not taking care of yourself so that you can be the best parent that you mm-hmm. need to be so yeah man well for those listening my name is clint davis and i'm obviously the host but i got grady and jude grady's they're both boys grady's six and jude's three and they're nonstop. i mean just as boys as you can be you know mm-hmm. just running around crazy having fun singing songs saying potty words you know just doing all the things man mm-hmm. so it's it's it is a it is a lot they want a lot they need a lot um, I think we put a lot of expectations on ourselves mm-hmm. for what they we think they're thinking and mm-hmm. what they think they're needing. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about that some today about how much pressure I think as dads and parents we put on ourselves. Um, tell me a little bit about kind of, um, so you got four, three. What, um, what's it been like for you? I think father is a pretty heavy title. Mm-hmm. And why do, you, why do you think that is? Or how does that sit on your shoulders of being a father? Um, well, I didn't grow up having an active father in my life. So I, I'm, uh, my mom um, was, I was raised just by my mom. And, um, you know, of course, we went to church and very active in the church. So I always had just father type figures that I could look to different deacons or type coaches and things like that. But having a father in the house, that was something that I, that I wasn't accustomed to. Mm. So when I was, um, granted the opportunity to be a father you know i i really took it serious you know because this is something i knew i needed when i was a kid and i wanted to be that and more for my children because i didn't have this opportunity and i wanted to be the best and i didn't want to mess up you know all those unrealistic expectations that we we placed on ourselves so man it's a heavy ongoing never stopping responsibility i'm going to be those girls fathers even after i'm gone Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying that's the type of impact that i pray that i leave on them i want to make sure that i teach them and give them enough to feel uh to to be able to just pass this down whatever i have whatever's in my spirit whatever god knowledge has, has, has bestowed upon me i want to give it to them so that it can continue to pass and to continue to grow so on and so forth so um it's a it's a huge responsibility that that never stops we're always thinking we're always preparing we're always providing we're always trying to protect and uh foresee just you know potholes that may be coming down the road and anticipating it and trying to brace them for but as a father i think we have this uh more of a hands-off approach i see that pothole i may tell you one time but that's it (laughs) may you know what i'm saying because you you know our kids need those opportunities to learn if they don't learn on themselves and you're always preventing the fall, well, you're going to be you're going to become a crutch and you're going to be one of those parents that uh, that that your kids depend on heavily in their adulthood. And that's that that's just not what I want, you know, for my kids. So I'm nurturing. But when it when I tell you something and you decide not to listen, I'm not going to repeat it. I'm just going to let you do it. If it, if it turns out good, cool. But if you hurt yourself, well, baby. I tried to let you know that this is the reason why I talk to you and tell you these things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think we're, you try to find that balance. You know, me and you've talked about this a bunch of times, but it's like, 
you know, Grady will be on something, jumping on something or playing with something. And I'll tell him, Hey man, you're gonna hit yourself in the face with that. Like he was playing with my jujitsu belt the other day, you know, swinging it around. And I was like, Hey man, you're going to smack yourself. Like put that down. He kept doing it. I was like, Hey, you're going to smack yourself. And then I was like, all right. So I walked off and about five minutes later, he came in the bathroom. I hit myself in the face with this belt. I was like, I'm so sorry, buddy. Like that must've really hurt. You know, I empathized with him first. And then later I'm like, remember daddy told you two or three times like mm-hmm. and my thing with him i was like he'll you know typically does the well no that's not right or that's not going to happen i'm like okay do you know better or does daddy know better and he'll look at me and, oh you know better i'm like okay but you can choose to do whatever you want to like that's your choice to make mm-hmm. you know and just have those conversations and really try to you know instead of controlling them and dictating and micromanaging and helicoptering just you know, give them the good information you know, and let them make their own choices and learn from that mm-hmm. instead of constantly trying to, you know. It's hard, though, man. Oh, yeah, because you don't want to see them suffer. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard. And I have two criers. Mm. I'm talking about bus out, snot nose, crying for about five good minutes. Right. You know what I'm saying? But that's enough. You know, that's past enough. <laughs> um, and to to... You know, I don't want to see my girls crying. I'm thinking about what are the effects. You know, sometimes you, what are the effect, long-term oh, yeah. effects? Oh, yeah, a therapist makes it way worse. Exactly. What are the long-term effects of having my girl just cry uncontrollably for five minutes and I not try to do anything to console her? And I, 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 I try not to go down that rabbit hole too often, but um, it's hard to see them hurt themselves or something not go their way or them to, to be overwhelmed by something and trying to always empathize because, like I said, if we only have – three hours to ourselves or hour or two to ourselves a day after we've given part of us to, to our clients on a daily basis. Well, you don't got enough rubber on those tires when you get home to, to, to brace for what the kids may, may do. And um, even when you don't do it perfect, cause I don't always do it perfect. And I, I think I had a post uh, last week or the week before I needed help. I, I found myself posting parenting tips. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, let me post some parenting tips. I've been doing right. good. So I put them out there uh, and I'm like, you know, try to be, um, think about the way that you speak to your kids because the, the things that you tell them will be the voice that they hear when they get older. You know, profound stuff. Right, good stuff. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, man, that's going to that's gonna go. That's People are going to like that. You know, and then my kid comes up to me. Wanting 10,000 things, needing 10,000 things. And it's like, I can do nothing to get her to like, nothing appeases her. She's she's tired, first of all. That mm-hmm. was it. She's tired. I can't console you. You don't want to lay down. You don't want to brush your teeth. You don't want to eat. You don't want to put on your, 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 your night clothes or anything. So it's like, literally, I can do nothing. So I was like, I need help. Now, I didn't gave these parenting tips all week, and I don't know what to do with this one kid right here in this one situation. That's so good, man, because that is so true. In the, in the moment, you know, you can know all the things and, and want to be all the things. There's so many times where I'm like, what is happening? And then my wife walks in, and he's like, have they had a snack? I'm like, no. And she's like, they're hungry. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like, y'all need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. been playing and running around and, you know. And I don't think about it in the time like they're acting happy. That's their problem is they're not old enough, especially with littles. A lot of times they don't remember what they need. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, they need an apple. They need a stick of cheese. They need whatever it is mm-hmm. to get them from lunch to, you know, the afternoon. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, I know it, but that window sometimes comes up quick. Absolutely. You're out on the trampoline and then every all of a sudden, you know. Yeah. You, I don't think our brain processes stop the fun. 
mm-hmm. and let's do something serious. Like when we're having fun, we're focused on the fun. Like yeah. let's let's do the fun things, and they can get you caught up in the fun things. So if you you know you playing soccer and you going to, to to riding bikes, like you're not thinking about man, it's one forty five, it's it's two twelve, <laughs> sure. it may be time for you know a pair or something like that. They may want some pretzels or something. I'm not thinking that. Man, we're having fun. We're on this trip, and that's what we're gonna do. Um, but I learned with, my lesson though. Oh yeah, with littles, man, that turned so quick. Heck yeah, I learned my lesson. Yeah, I got Try, now. Oh, I got backpacks man. full of snacks. Exactly. I got three <laughs> drinks. Yeah, man. I got a sucker, a lollipop. You yeah, know, uh, whatever it is that can help us get through this ride in the truck or this Absolutely. bike ride or whatever it's going to be. Absolutely. I, I made the mistake of uh, running an errand with no snacks, <laughs> no diaper bag. You only made Worst that mistake. Yeah, you made that mistake once. <laughs> One time, man, we stopped at Sonic so fast. Man, can I just get something? Just get whatever y'all got. Whatever. Have y'all made anything? <laughs> is anything yeah, is anything open? Just give me whatever you got. They crying. I need need help. For sure. So, um, but yeah, man, it's so it's it's the beauty of learning and uh being able to think back to what you wanted and what you needed and what you appreciated as as a kid because that's that's the beauty of being a father to me it's like those opportunities that that i had with my parents as a a three four and five year old like i don't remember that stuff but i'm now i'm able to relive that vicariously through my children and see how much they appreciate i wonder you know i wonder if this is what i was like i I probably was just like this when i was their age Mm -hmm. so um, I've I'm called a, my mom apologized several times already. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you so much for that. Like, Grady broke his arm. Oh, man. Uh, what was that? Eight, nine weeks ago? And I just remember being like, man, this was so hard for me. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like, you know, you your worst fear is your kid getting hurt or Absolutely. severely hurt. And I Absolutely. remember going, I went to school, picked him up from school. I get there. Of course he sees me, loses it. We go home and I'm like, Oh, maybe he just sprained it. We get on the couch and he's like, yeah, it's fine. You know, he never makes a peep. And that's, that's just Grady. His personality is just like, like he had 105 fever and he's like, I don't feel that bad. And I'm like, you feel terrible. He's like a little terrible. You know, like he just will not tell me he's in pain. And so I turned his arm over. It's just huge lump. I'm like, Oh no, you broke it. So we take him to the ER and, um, but I called my mom because I've broken like eight things on the left side of my body over childhood. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, man, this was way worse for you than it was for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I realized over Grady having a cast. And he didn't care. He was no. playing and running around. And I'm having to tell him a hundred times you can't run with that or you can't fall with that. Stop wrestling with Jude. Um, but it was way worse for me. And so I just thought about my mom. And I was like, man, that, that's so crazy mm-hmm. how your perspective shifts. And you start to have this appreciation for all the sleepless nights and all the things that your parents do Absolutely. in those years you don't remember. Absolutely. Also, it's it's very overwhelming because, you know, as you know, as a therapist, when we work with people, a lot of people don't realize how big of an impact those years are because mm-hmm. you quote unquote don't remember it. Yeah. But then, but you do remember it. Absolutely. You remember it emotionally. You remember it when it comes to attachment. Like you said earlier, you know, your girl's crying. Like that's such a important thing for kids to understand is that they can cry, that they can mm-hmm. grieve, that they can be sad and upset and emotional about whatever's going on. Absolutely. Yes, there's a boundary and a limit, but the whole don't cry, suck it up, you know, yeah. it's super problematic. Yeah, I think um, men, that's how we were raised. You know, don't cry, you can't uh, act like a girl or any, all those derogatory terms. And what that happens, what, what happens is we, we learn to be desensitized to our emotions. We don't understand how to process and articulate our emotions. Mm-hmm. So then you have a grown men 
right? In relationships, they can't speak to their wives, can't love on their wives, don't know how to communicate when they're when they're struggling uh, emotionally. And then you have grown men that have kids and don't know how to empathize and don't know how to validate feelings because they never had their feelings validated in their childhood and they don't know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So me being a therapist and also being a dad with a, a crier, you know what I'm saying, is is you get worn thin. So you know all of these things. But I am literally worn thin. So what I what I've come to realize and you've helped me with this brother. This is a, a philosophy I don't know where Clint got it from, <laughs> but when he told me, I took it and ran with it 70% of the time. Mm. When you told me, you just have to get it right 70% of the time, that changed my life because I no longer felt that pressure to be perfect. Mm. Your kids aren't going to remember every bad interaction or every good interaction. They're going to remember generally what was it like. Yep. Those feelings, like you said, that, that, that they're having. Generally, what was it like when I was a kid and I was crying or I was upset or I was anxious? I couldn't describe that. Generally, what happened? Did mom and dad understand? Were they trying to console me? Or did they isolate me and make me try to tough it out all the time? So when I, when I found that 70% rule, it, it was almost like it was relief. You know, I started to apply that to my life as relief. So I don't have to get this right 100% of the time because I'm not going to. Yeah, and I'm perfect. never going to get it right. But if I can do it 70% of the time when I see something, a bobo, or if I see you acting uh, upset or you're mad or let me validate you, let me try to get it right 70% of the time and I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, or even playing. You know, one of the things that I had to work on really hard with my therapist is just like, it's okay to be tired. Like, it's okay for me to be like, I don't want to put that puzzle together. Yeah. Like, in and because I'm a very, you know, I love to do everything. I love to be active. I never want um, my kids to feel like I don't see them and they're not known to me. They don't have access to me, that I'm too busy, that I'm on my phone. Like, I just fight really hard for that. But then I realize, like, they also need to, I'm not all that they need. Absolutely. Like, I can't be everything that they need. And, and in my own work in myself, you know, my dad worked that my parents got divorced when I was eight. So he wasn't around a lot, you know, and, and I don't I don't really know what the facts are. Um, and he'll be listening to this now. And he, we, you know, we've had these conversations now. But it's like I don't have a memory of eating dinner together of me, my mom, my dad, my sister eating at a table together. I, I can't think of that. I'm sure it happened. I'm sure there were moments of that. But I have zero pictures in my head of that happening. Um, and so I try, you know, you have kids and and you you put them up as an idol. They become this thing. I'm going to do it better. I'm going to do it different. I'm going to, you know, I'm never going to do this. You know, all the things we say before we have kids. And we want to kind of vicariously be that good father for, for them so that they don't have to go through the heartache and pain that we went through. Yeah. But the reality is that when you do that, then you try to be their everything. Mm -hmm. You want them to see you as God, to see you as perfect, to see you as, yeah. you know, infallible. And the reality is, is like what they really need is you to be authentic. Absolutely. They need to be able to see you as human. And yeah. I remember growing up seeing couples, you know, my parents divorced. I would see other couples and they had spend the night at their, their, the kid's house or whatever. And they never fought. They were quote unquote, great Christian parents and they never fought and they never had conflict. And, and that led me to think, well, I need to find a girl who I won't have conflict with. And then I won't end up divorced. And that call, I mean, that's a mess. Yeah, right and caused me a lot of mess mm -hmm. so now 
you know, I want to be authentic with my kids. I want, I, I talked to Grady about disobedience or something and he, he does something I've asked him not to do. And I'm sitting with him and I say, you know, he'll be crying about, it. I'm sorry. I, you know, I want to be, you know, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, well, I get it, buddy. Like daddy's disobedient too. I was disobedient to God like five times a day at least. We're all like we're all in this together. Yeah, you yeah. normalize it. You make them feel like you know you're you're all on the same page. And um, I think when we, when we still rob those opportunities from them to to show that we're normal people or show that sometimes we don't want to do something, we 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 make it harder for them to become self sufficient. Absolutely. Well, they're relying on us. Absolutely. And then they feel like they have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And then there's this cycle and, and it goes the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want my kids to look up. I don't want Grady to look up and think that I'm perfect. I Absolutely. want him to know me. Absolutely. Right. The ins and outs, Absolutely. right. The goods and the bad to be able to really hear from him and say, Hey, I don't really like this about you, dad. You know, I don't like how you do this. And me to say, Hey, I get it. You know, like I'm working on that. You know, this is part of it. Hey, I don't really like this about you. <laughs> right. I mean, that's as, and obviously as they get older, but, you know, they need that authenticity. They need to know we don't like them very much sometimes and that we don't want to be around them. And I'm not saying you say that and you say it in a harsh way, but as they get older, they already know that's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if, if they know we have our quirks and our things and then we pretend like that's not the case because we have this Facebook, Instagram life and we're living that not only online, but we're living that at home. Yeah. Then that that is insincere. Mm hmm. And, and people pick up on that and kids pick up on that and they learn all these bad behaviors and all these weird concepts Absolutely. Um, by not knowing that you're an imperfect human as well. And that comes with apologizing. Absolutely. God, I apologize all the time. Me too. So I was going to say, um, you know, when you, when you talk to your kids mm -hmm. and you educate them about feelings, they use it on you. No, for sure. They use it on you. Like I am uppercutted with, "Daddy, you hurt my feelings." Right. Like <laughs> at least ten times a day. Now, mind you, hurting their feelings is saying no. Yeah, right. Hurting their feelings is telling you it's time to brush your teeth. Uh -huh. Hurting your feelings is saying you know it's time to get ready for bedtime. Anything that deviates from what they want to do, mm -hmm. Daddy, you hurt my feelings, and then they start crying. So um, I'm mindful of that, and, and you know sometimes you know we got. Maybe I shouldn't do it, but I do it sometimes. I say, "Well, baby, you hurt my feelings too." You know what I'm saying? I put the on not the onus, but I let them know. Well, you hurt my feelings when you're not following my directions that I'm asking you to do something that's going to help the workflow of the of the of the of the house. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't get enough sleep, you're going to be cranky in the morning. You're not going to want to get up and get breakfast and eat and 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 put on your clothes and go to school. And it's just going to put us down this bad road and. It's gonna be very hard and you go i'm gonna hurt your feelings in the morning too so how about you not hurt my feelings i won't hurt your feelings and we just do what we have to do right now to get to bed mm -hmm. you know um but we don't always have the patience to explain all of it i know i don't yeah we don't have time either yeah i mean there's all kinds of time you know this morning literally i mean it's every day right mm -hmm. this morning i'll give you a prime example grady um he i mean my kids wake up crack of dawn jude wakes up at 5 20 Great, you know, Grady typically wakes up at like six, six fifteen. Um, but this morning, the last two days, he slept in past seven, and so Jude's up for like an hour, and Grady's getting up at seven. Well, today he woke up at like seven twenty-seven, right? You know it on the dot. I'm trying to get coffee. I'm getting out of the shower. I'm like, is he still not awake? Jesse's like, no, nah, he's probably dead. I'm like, you're right. I mean, because that's what you think as a parent. How many times have you thought they're not like when they're a baby, they're not moving, they're definitely dead. Mm -hmm. We all have these thoughts, and and so we kind of joke when it, they sleep anywhere past 
what they're supposed to that they're you know we're checking the monitor and you know it's like get a mirror and put it under their nose make sure they're breathing because they're probably dead um but he gets up and it's like 7 27 we got to be out of the house at 7 50 and i know you know this but they don't want to be late to school for whatever reason with the other kids or the games they're playing or getting their schoolwork done or whatever so he automatically is like i don't want to go to school because he doesn't want to be late now he's not saying that but I know the whole issue is, is he never says he doesn't want to go to school. He's like, I want to stay at home. And the whole problem is he can't grasp how he can get all the stuff he needs to get done in 15 minutes and be there on time. Now, the school is three minutes from our house. So he starts crying, crocodile tears, you know, I bring, and, and I got to leave, right? I mean, I need to be at work at eight for a client. Absolutely. And so what I could have done is gotten really frustrated and just left, left it to JC to do all that. Or I could have went in there and been like, stop crying. You need to get this done. Get your get your pants on. Get your clothes on. Let's do it. You're going regardless. You ain't staying home. But I took a deep breath. And right, I don't always get this right. But I thought, this is not about me. I can be five minutes late. My client will be fine. Mm-hmm. Five minutes is not the end of the world, but it's a lot to him. And so I said, come on, buddy. And so he walked in the bedroom. He had his clothes laid out. And I said, I really understand you don't want to be late. Me and mommy already talked to the teacher about the issue you're having about being late. You know, so she's aware of it. Um, so take a deep breath, you know, took some deep breaths. I said, put your clothes on, put his clothes on. I was like, you know, reminded him of this awesome thing he's got coming up for you know Christmas and pajama day and all these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you can get your clothes on, get your shoes on. I'll hand you your food. I'll walk you to the car. I'm going to walk with you through this. I said, but daddy needs to be at work at what time? He's like eight. I was like, right. And because I'm doing this, daddy's going to be at work at 805, but it's okay to be late. It's not always going to go the way we want it to go. Absolutely. And that's not, that's not fun, but we do the best we can. Mm-hmm. But you're not even going to be late. Yeah. Like, we're not even on task to be late for you. Mommy and Daddy are going to be on time. We, I'll be late a little bit so you can be on time. Absolutely. Now, that's not always going to be the case, but he got his butt right in the, in the van, sat down, started eating his food, you know, and hopefully that's going to be a better day. And I called JC called me on the way here and was like, thank you, because I, what would have happened would have been he would have melted down and been super late or ended up not going because it, it, I could just feel it like that doesn't happen. So it was a rare situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you have to kind of have that dad gut of like, is this normal, ridiculous stuff that I just have to kind of move them through and they'll be fine in five minutes? Or is this one of those moments where it's rare and so I need to you know, pay special attention to it? Absolutely. And for me, it was like, he never does this. He never says he doesn't want to go to school. He never, like, so this is, if never, then I need to make it an exception. But I think that when, when I'm hearing that with my counselor ear, what I do is I'm thinking, okay, Clint has, first of all, the wherewithal to know where he is. And that's a luxury that many dads don't have. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, if, if we're constantly running, trying to provide, trying to protect, trying to make sure we got a roof over our head and make sure that our family is safe, we don't get the opportunity to take a step back and check on ourselves so that you can be what you need to be for the other people in your lives. Yeah, man. And I think that's important that you're taking care of yourself some kind of way so that you can be present and you can be visible with your with your child and know that that meltdown wasn't about you. It wasn't about school. It was just about this little hardship that he's experiencing. He woke up late. He's a little tired, a little groggy, a little upset. But we can still get this done. So that's a beautiful story, brother. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, and 
applaud God because that's who gives me the grace and applaud lots of years of therapy. Absolutely. Right. We've talked about this. I mean, I think the number one thing people, when people ask for parenting advice, it's to be, to figure out who they are. Right. Cause if you know who you are, then you can be okay with who your kid is yeah. good and bad. But if everything your kid does is a reflection of you, mm-hmm. it's going to be super problematic. Yeah. You know, parenting um, I was listening to something the other day and it was talking about parenting. The word parenting didn't come into the lex- Eng- English lexicon language until the fifties. Mm-hmm. Like that's recent before then there was no like idea of like parenting that you should parent and do these things. And then industrial revolution came around, psychology came around and parenting became this thing that we do. So you do parenting. Absolutely. Right. And so what I do here will affect my kid here and it'll have this outcome. And I think that's super problematic for the culture because, and I, I've fallen into this trap and I've only in the last couple of years, really, I mean, I feel like I did halfway good and I'm trying to pick that up now. So I don't end up the next, you know, while I got my kids left doing it more, but seeing it, you know, reading everything in the future, I got to do this when they're three. So they don't end up being a terrible kid at 15 and being a horrible adult at 25. Yeah. And that's a very narcissistic view of parenting. It's, it's, my kids, how they turn out says something about me and says something about my worth and Mm -hmm. says something about my parenting instead of this idea that these kids are human and they're fully who they are and their personality and their being and their, and their likes and their dislikes. And we should come alongside that and nurture that and walk with that, but they're going to be them. Absolutely. And who they choose to be and what career they choose to do and who they choose to marry we really don't have much to do with that part. Mm-mm. What we have to do with is being engaged, you know, giving them affirmation, yeah. giving them affection and giving them attention while they're little. But we get caught up in, in doing parenting instead of being a parent. Absolutely. And, and just, just this time of year, that's oh, when people feel like it's time to, to do parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we do all the work, we save all this money and, you know, we try to get all these gifts to make, to validate our parenthood, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I don't have something up under this tree or my, my kid isn't happy with what I, what I, what they got, then it's a disappointing uh, time of year. The whole year just is, is ruined. And I think um, that's just a very bad way, a skewed way to, to look at parenting. If you're consistently in your child's life and you're active, just like you said, attention, affection, and validation, I can't, uh, affirmation, I, yeah. affirmation. Um, those things are the most important thing and they don't cost anything to give. Nope. You know, that's totally free. You know, I got a friend on Facebook, Rob, he always says it it doesn't cost nothing to be a good person. And it's true. And it doesn't cost anything to be a, a, a good part, a a good parent. You know, you don't have to read 10,000 books. Can you give your kids some affirmation? Can you congratulate them? Can you celebrate them? Mm -hmm. The same with the same vigor that you reprimand your child celebrate your child and that's something i preach to just my parents in here you know if you're going to come down on your children make sure that when they do something good you do the exact same you celebrate you jump through the moon you jump over the moon so to, to 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 um to celebrate your kids you know because that's they need to see the balance and really you know the celebrating is spot on i'd say the opposite of celebration is grieving Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, those are the two things you need to learn to do is grieve with your kids and celebrate your kids mm-hmm. and equal parts, if not more celebrating. Right. There's a idea of catch them doing good. And so there's a, you know, I call it a catch them doing good sheet in your head or on paper. 
man, you better be having way more things you're catching your kids doing good than things you're pointing out that, that they're doing negatively. Absolutely. And we don't even realize we're doing it, right? Mm-hmm. We're just constantly doing parenting. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do this so this comes out. You know, Make sure you do this so you make these good grades. Make sure you do this so you have good behavior. Oh, no, I did this, so they're going to do this, which is going to be a reflection on me. And it's just reactive parenting. You know, it's just, oh, man, they threw a fit or they're, you know, they're at nursery or they're at, days, they're at school and, you know, the teacher's going to call me mm-hmm. and she's going to tell me, Grady did this. And I'm all, if, I'm do, if I'm doing parenting, I'm automatically going to feel ashamed. I'm going to feel yep. judged. I'm going to feel critiqued. And then yep. I'm going to go to Grady and I'm going to say, hey, you did this. It was wrong. You need to stop doing that. I don't want to be embarrassed. That's right. <laughs> right. That's, that's literally, I don't want to be embarrassed. And that's really about you. Absolutely. And, and being parenting is going, huh? Okay. Well, he does things that are wrong, like, because he's a human and he's going to do, I wonder what's going on for him. Absolutely. Uh, that's unusual for him to, to be doing that. That's kind of this morning. I mean, I'm not even thinking about that, but that is what I was doing. It's like, well, who is he to me? Who is he on, on a, on a wide range of things? Okay, well, yeah, this is what he does, so tell me about that. Well, he didn't have a snack that day, or he was tired. He was worried about, you know, this kid at class, or he was worried about this. And then I can come up with a plan. I can figure out what to do. We can have conversation. The difference is is what he experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's really not about what I feel and experience. And, and if you go back to that, like, finding out who you are and doing the work, that's really what helps you do that in the moment. Absolutely. So if you've done therapy, if you've figured out how your parents and their view of you and their parenting view shaped who you are and your identity, right? And you've reparented yourself with God, with this idea that you're worthy and you're valuable and you're loved and you're good enough, absolutely. Even in your fallibility, then in those moments, everything isn't about you. Absolutely. Shameless plug: If you have not seen a therapist in relationship to how you were raised, oh, it's past time, especially if you have kids. Oh, yeah. You need to go and talk to somebody about what you experienced and what you went through just because you may be missing that validation, you know, that your childhood was rough or that it was very hard being raised in your in your, in your your household. And because of that, you missing that validation. Well, now you're not validating your kids and you're passing on the generational curses. Like we always talk about generational curse and, People think it's, it's this and that. I really think it's about how you were raised. Oh, for you know? sure. And you passing along the same bad or same uh, inappropriate or, or same unhealthy, that's the word, unhealthy behaviors to your kids. Uh, so if you have not seen somewhat, somebody and you, you, you know you, you, you probably grew up rough or you had a rough childhood, it's time to open up. Mm-hmm. So, well, um, And I don't think even, I mean, I 100% agree. I think people don't even realize what a rough childhood is. Yeah. Like, you know, how true. many times, how many that's people true. have come in your office and said, you know, I was I, all right. And do what? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> it was all right. My childhood was perfect. It was fine. It was fine. Right. It came out okay. Yeah, my least favorite word is fine. <laughs> you know, it's like they're here, they've had an affair, they have an addiction, they have anger problems, they have these issues that their spouse is telling them to, you know, they need to work out, especially men. And it's like, well, tell me about your childhood. Oh, my parents were fine. You know, like they, they, they love me. It's not about my parents. This isn't about my, my, about my childhood. I'm like, okay. You know, six sessions in, it's like, how, well, how'd your dad show you he loved you? Well, I mean, he wasn't very affectionate. I mean, he never told me. He never hugged me. He never, you know, but he worked really hard and he provided. Right. And I'm like, well, you felt safe then, right? You felt secure in your family, but you didn't feel loved. 
you had the idea that you were loved, but there's a big difference between safety and love, mm-hmm. security and love. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, people you know, just like me and they've been like, oh man, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't realize that I had deficits of because I survived. Yeah. And that's the part probably like we're adults now. We're like, oh, that couldn't have had that big of effect because I survived it. Yeah. But the point isn't surviving. The point is thriving. Yeah. Like I don't want people say stuff about, you know, spanking or they say stuff about other things. And they're like, well, I turned out fine, you know, and I, I'm, I'm all right. And I'm like, you know, I don't want my kids to turn out fine. I yeah. want them to have every opportunity to be to thrive. To thrive. That's 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 the goal, you know, to is to thrive for our kids. And um, people are just aren't aren't aware. Uh, and the term I use is just you're living life on autopilot. You know, mm-hmm. you're not mindful. You're not even conscious that something is something bad is happening to you. And because of that, you're just accepting what's going on. You're accepting this stress. You're accepting that tension. You're accepting uh, not having healthy boundaries or be, not being able to say no. And it's because you've been living your life on autopilot. And if your parents are on autopilot, that's dangerous. Because I, I look at it from this perspective. Um when we get angry or when we get mad, when we get disappointed with our children, you have an opportunity to either talk to yourself and process what's going on with me. How can I change this? Or you could hold hostage your love for your child. Mm-hmm. And I think many of us on accident or even on purpose, we hold our love hostage from our loved ones when we're when we're angered. And we want to be mindful of what what message that sends to the kids, you know, what message that's when when daddy or when mommy's upset, well, I must be bad. And, you know, they're not going to hug me. They're not going to tell me they love they love me. They're not going to they're not going to console me. And that's just a horrible thing to think about for a toddler, for littles, you know, that my kids are so concerned that if I'm upset, they have to just kind of figure it out themselves, and that's never a position I want my kids to be in. So um, it's, it's necessary to come get some help. Come talk to us, you know. Yeah, for you sure. So. Yeah, but in that that is brought on by this concept of parenting in the way that we talked about. Absolutely. And, and what we do is we, we our kids feel that, that in order for us to be okay, they have to be okay. Right, that they're responsible for our emotional health and our yeah, stability. It's not fair. We talk to our kids about money. We talk to our kids about relationships. We talk in front of our kids about things they shouldn't be hearing. Mm-hmm. And they start feeling responsible for mommy and daddy's mental health. I mean, they don't know it's that. They wouldn't title it that. But they grow up, and that's the lesson they learn. Yeah, enmeshment. Yeah, enmeshments for sure. <laughs> uh, it is Christmas time, so let's talk about Santa for a second. I know I did, I'm going to drop this on you. I didn't give you this in the notes. Right. Um, so what's your, what are you doing with Santa? Because that's a big debate up in the culture. So I'll be honest with you, man. We, um, like, for the first uh, Christmas, we didn't even, like, make a big deal out of it. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have any – we didn't – I didn't want to commercialize, like, bring my kids into this commercialized idea of Christmas and mm-hmm. you got to go out and gorge and buy money. So, like, the first two years, we didn't do anything. Like, last year was our first year actually putting up a tree, putting up some lights, just letting them participate because they want to participate. And, mm-hmm. we, and we tell them, but when we, when we don't even talk about Santa because – I want them to be able to dream and think, you know, and things are, are fairy tales and so on and so forth. That's cool, but Santa is no is no big fat jolly guy coming down this this chimney <laughs> to 
to uh, eat up some cookies and and, and and drop you off some gifts. That's just not happening, uh -huh. you know? And I don't want them to, like, even with the tooth fairy, it's the same thing. Like, I, I tell them about the tooth fairy, but you're going to have a treat up under your, you oh, know, up sure. under your pillow. It's not, you know, what they know it's not no, no real tooth fairy or anything like that. So, but I just, I think it's important to, to, to be honest with your kid while still allowing them to to believe in the the folklore there's nothing wrong with with having the idea of santa claus but this guy ain't dropping off nothing your mommy and daddy is working hard for this stuff <laughs> that's the realistic you're like we're working hard for this stuff and we want you to one day work hard for something because no guy's just going to drop down through your roof and give you anything in your life you know what i'm saying sure. but let's talk about it we can sing the christmas carols and we can watch the movies and we can enjoy it but realistically, baby, no, nah, that ain't happening. I hear you. Yeah, I wore my Santa socks specifically for this conversation so that people didn't think I was just anti-Santa completely. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. You know, Santa Claus doing the um, doing the songs. I mean, you can't really get away from it. Mm -hmm. You know, we've never mentioned Santa at all to our, to, to Jude. And, and, like, night before last, he was like, yep, Santa going to bring me presents in the, underneath the twee. And, you know, and I'm like, I'm looking at him in the bed, I'm like, you're going to have to learn. You know, we did, what we did was we just didn't say either way. Yeah. You know, like we kind of let Grady, our oldest was our first, obviously. We kind of let him talk about it, kind of enjoy it, let him, you know, fantasize with it, play. I mean, we went, I think a couple times, we went to see the lights in Texas or something. Yeah. Let him sit on Santa's lap and got a picture and, you know, it was no big deal. But as he got older and he was three and four and he was able to talk and ask me questions, you know, that was the first thing he was like, well, is Santa, you know, daddy, is Santa real? And, uh, and spoiler alert guys on the podcast, if your kids are listening to this, you know, uh, I had to tell him no, cause I didn't want to lie. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to directly say, yeah, he's real. He's coming down the chimney. He's doing these things. And then later have to go back and say, that was just a joke. I'm playing, you know? Yeah. Now there's a million different people who have a million different stories about how that went for them. And some of them, it was fine. And some yeah, of them, yeah. it wasn't. Um, this isn't a judgment on, hey, if you tell your kids Santa's real, it's going you know, to traumatize them. Yeah. The real thing that I want to point out about Santa is every day, and you can probably validate this, I spend hours of my life trying to share with people the kind of the gospel message, whether I use the gospel in therapy or not, is that their worth and value is not based on their ability to perform or to work. Absolutely. And so many of our parenting things that we do and his dads and his moms is, is to show our kids the opposite of that. Like you have to behave, you have to make good grades, you have to perform and then I'm going to love you. Mm -hmm. Then I'm not going to be mad at you. Then I'm going to accept you for who you are because you earned it. And we see God as that. We see God as this, he's up there face palming and annoyed and, and disappointed in us. When in reality, the truth is, is God loves us unconditionally and loves us while we're sinning in our worst situations he still loves us he still has affection for us mm -hmm. and santa literally is the same as that you know you better watch out you better not cry you better not pout i'm telling you why santa claus is coming and you know even in that like we've already talked about you're telling your kids not to cry you yep. better not cry you better not pout you better not have any emotions around whatever and we know what that means as adults we mean don't whine don't throw fits yeah they don't know that though yeah they they just hear don't cry mm -hmm. and that's part of the problem is we're not very nuanced in our we think kids just see things and they're like oh no it's no big deal i just sing this song it's fun but they are learning absolutely there and, and then i see parents in target and walmart i hear them in the hall saying 
hey, you better be good. Santa's coming. You ain't going to get any presents. I'm going to call Santa and tell him, you know. Man. And it's, that is not a small thing. And I know I'm a therapist, and I know people are going to roll their eyes and think that this is over the top. But the reality is, is like you're teaching your kids very, very specific lessons about their worth and their value and how the world works. And at the time, you're selling it. You're saying, he's real. This is real. This, You know in your head that you're going to come back later, but they don't know that. Mm-hmm. And so what what my, what I've seen in therapy and heard from people when they really share the truth, right? The other thing is people aren't out there posting the truth about what their experience is like. They're like, oh, I was fine. But they don't even, like we said, know what's fine and what's not. Mm-hmm. And then, you you know, at six, you're like, okay, Santa isn't real. Let's get over this. But God is and Jesus still is. Absolutely. And so there's this weird parallel of like, oh, man, like I just told you for six years and sold it and did the whole shebang. You know, hid, did the cookies, like really sold it. <laughs> took a bite out. Yeah, took a bite out, <laughs> you know, got you these presents, like did the reindeer stuff, like looked it up online and saw, showed you where Santa was flying. I mean, people do all kinds of stuff. And again, have fun. I'm not shaming anybody for doing it. Yeah. But be careful. Either use the, you know, the right wording when you're doing it. Let them know that it's fun and just a game. But when you try to sell it, and then you have to unsell it. It causes a lot of problems. And just the, I mean, we could go into the consumerism of yeah. it. And that, I mean. Well, I think the, I, I look at Santa in the same light that I look like Doc McStuffins or. <laughs> right. uh, uh, Wait, she's not real? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, or, or Peppa Pig or something like that. But the only difference is you can't run it. Well, not now, but you can't run into a mall and see a real Peppa Pig taking pictures with kids, you I mean, know, you can do Paw Patrol and, though. They come around sometimes. Yeah. But still, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? So I, I look at it from that perspective. And I think if you educate and introduce your, your, your kids that this is a character, mommy and daddy's getting these gifts, but this is a character who comes around just to spread some holiday cheer, mm-hmm. holiday joy. And this is somebody that in our lives that, that, that we, we sing about just to, to kind of commemorate this time of the season. Nothing more, nothing less. Right. You know, I think that's more of a realistic perspective. But when you when you take them and you you, you let you let Santa be real and you wearing these outfits and oh, Santa's got to be real, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but so let, let me ask you a question. Sure. Um, for you, how do you balance, right, work, relationship, personal, and parenthood? Oh, man, that's a deep question. How do I balance it? Um, I think I would say I don't believe in balance. And what I mean is, is that I think I strive for balance, but I'm just honest that there's going to be seasons where all of those things are mixed up. And I think if we think that we have to find some maintainable balance in, of all those things, we're going to be in trouble. Gotcha. That there are seasons where, um, you know, you're, you're available and you're not. There's seasons when you're tired. There's seasons when you're, you know, you're on your A game. And, and it goes back to feeling that, you know, I think Winnicott, I can't remember his name. He's a pediatrician. Um, you know, he came up with this idea of a good enough therapist, good enough parent, good enough mom. Um, and you've heard me say that about being counselors. Like we, we have to be good enough. I'm not going to come in here every day and be an a plus game with every client all day. Yeah. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to have had, had a fight with my wife. I'm going to be worried about the business, whatever it is, but I have to be good enough. Absolutely. And that goes back to that thing I told you years ago about the 70, you know, 70% rule. It's like, 
that's good enough. 70%, 80%. You're never going to hit 90 or 100 most likely. 100 would be balance. Right? 100% would be I got everything balanced at, at the right place. I work a certain amount. I'm at home a certain amount. I go to church a certain amount. And, but that never actually is achievable. So then we feel like we're not being perfect. We're not meeting the standard. You know, oh, if I didn't go to church this Sunday because I went and did this, or oh, if I if I only worked forty hours this week, or oh, I didn't make this much. It, you know, it becomes this unachievable rat race, and then that's where I think people get stuck. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just learning to be good enough to be okay with my my you know the things that I struggle with, be honest about those with the people that I care about. One, so they're not surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to say all the time, if, if something comes out about me in the paper, something that came out with me on Facebook that were my sins or my struggles, the closest people around me aren't going to be surprised. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not, they're, the five or six people who are in my inner circle are not going to be like, oh, he struggles with that. <laughs> right? They're yeah. going to be like, duh. Like he yeah. talks about that with me every week or every other week. Absolutely. Or, you know, and you would say, I mean, that's stuff me and you have talked about. Absolutely. Come in and, you know, open my heart with my struggles and my sin. And that's true. Like, I can say that as honest as possible. There is really nothing that is in my heart that I have not shared with you, my therapist, my wife, my good friends. Now, I'm not going to share that with everybody. I'm not about to drop it on this podcast what those things are. (laughs) But the reality is, is that at the end of the day, I can I I, I know I'm being honest and authentic. Mm -hmm. And that's how I live. Because then if you're not, then you're having to do a bunch of coping to hide that. Gotcha. And I'm not saying I don't do that, but it's few and far between. So you feel like being balanced is being honest with yourself and knowing where you are and knowing that regardless of what you're undertaking, if you're giving your best effort or if you're being good enough, that's all you got right then and there. You got to be satisfied with that. Yeah, because you're not enough. Right. Your worth and value is not based on your efforts. It's based on who God says you are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, your sin, your amount of sin, God's not up there keeping a tally. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not up there holding you to some standard. He held Jesus to that standard, and Jesus died to pay for that standard. Mm-hmm. So when we count up our sins every day, now, like Paul says, that doesn't mean just willy-nilly do whatever you want to Absolutely. and don't hold yourself accountable. But in order to know ourselves as as parents, as dads, to be good parents, to be good enough dads, then we have to know ourselves. We also have to have people in our lives who know us enough to hold us accountable. Gotcha. Right? So we... In order to know ourselves, other people have to know us Absolutely. so they can hold us to those things so that then in the moment we can be authentic with our children. We can give them who we are. Not so I can parent like you, not so I can be married like you, but so I can be married like Clint, mm-hmm. so I can be dad like Clint. Absolutely. And I think that's a huge problem with social media over the last 10 years. And we can get into that a little bit. You know, what's it like for you um, parenting in the age of technology? Now, your kids are six and three, and unfortunately people giving their kids smartphones and devices and screen time is getting younger and younger and younger, but that's a new thing, right? In all of history, this last decade. So how, how are you guys managing that? How do you see that being a problem with clients? So for, for us personally with the, the technology piece, we try to limit it. Like, um, we, we make concentrated efforts to, to limit technology. Uh, I think we need to do a better job of limiting our technology use around our kids. But for our kids, uh, typically they're only getting the iPad 
if my girls are getting their hair done, something where they, they need to be just kind of entertained because this is not going to be pleasant and you got to just sit still, you can't play with anything. Or if we're on like a really long car ride, but just having iPad time every day, no, and they they don't even expect it every day. Like, That's a good. It's part, just right? locked up, yeah. you know. Uh, they know where it is, but they know it's not happening. Um, even with TV time, we don't get TV time every day. You know, uh, we're just mindful of that. And and like I say, iPad, but it's really one of those little prime little notebooks, so it doesn't have all the you know all the little apps on it. The only thing they can do is really like learning things. Like I don't, they don't need to be watching YouTube or YouTube Kids. There's nothing on YouTube or YouTube Kids that you can't get off this ABC Mouse app. Yep. You know what I'm saying? That's all you need at this point. We're trying to educate you. We're going to use this as as an educational tool, what I think it was intended for. It's education and entertainment, let's just be honest. But I want you to pick up on this educational piece. So we try to just limit their social media, not even social media, but just technology access. Now, we want them to know how to use it. I was about it. to say, Layla got a Facebook? Man, please. <laughs> she better not. She got an email account. You know what I'm saying? We, we send all our pictures and videos to her email address. And hopefully, when she gets older, she can see, you know, her matriculation. But, no, I, I just, I don't think kids need, first of all, social media. You don't need it. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's going to be more harmful than anything. But it, I don't even know if kids need access to smart technology 24-7. You know, it, it just sets them up. Well, to, we know they don't. I mean, that's the real answer, right? We know neurologically how addictive and how yeah. um, we're, we're learning now that kids' prefrontals are not developing until 27. Mm-hmm. And that's because the last 10 years, this um, immediate gratification culture is here and and again that goes back to that idea of man we got to make our parent we got to make our kids happy because yeah. that's a reflection of us and so yeah. we got to give them these things yeah. i mean i hear people and you do too all the time i'm like <laughs> you know and they're like well they like it you know that's kind of the that's the comment i'm like well why does your kid have access to youtube at night or why does your kid have xbox this long or you know the problems that they're bringing in or the answers to fixing those problems are way back way back two years ago when you started the habit and like you said, your kids don't expect it. And that's the good place to be. Kind of like Christmas gifts, Christmas presents, habits. You know, we don't realize when we're slowly slipping into these kind of unconscious entitlement things with our kids where they just think it happens. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll, I'll never forget my mother and my mom and mother-in-law. They, you know, usually my dad, they'll come and bring some little knick-knacky thing. It's not expensive, but it's something every time they come. And like one time they came and Grady was like, we well, didn't bring me anything. I was like, oh, no, nah. you know, like, so we had this conversation with my parents because that's not his fault. Yeah. Right. They like, set that, they set that expectation. Right. And they weren't doing anything intentional. And I'm glad they bring stuff sometimes. But we had to start shifting things. Same thing with me. I would come home with like a color, a $4 coloring book or a little knickknacky thing. And, and then it was like, I didn't want, I started changing that. It wasn't about the money. It was about this idea that like you, you didn't earn anything and I'm just coming home with something. And that's that immediate gratification. Well, multiply that times a million for the screen. Yeah. You know, they're sad, they're sick, they're tired, they're grumpy. Turn it on. You give them a screen, then you don't have to worry about how you feel about those things. Absolutely. You don't ever have to go into those uncomfortable places of, am I adequate? Am I enough? Can I deal with these things? Am I, can I lose my temper? You know, am I going to be okay with disappointment? Am I going to be okay with my kid being disappointed? Yeah. I mean, all those things we've been talking about, 
we use a screen as as a pacifier for our own stuff. It's really not about our kid. It's all about They'd us. be perfectly happy with a cardboard box, I promise you. And you're not lying. So on those little diaper boxes, you know, when you <laughs> oh, rip yeah. them open, how it's a big old coloring patch on it. They can just color and go go for go sure. ham on it. My, 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 my kids love that stuff. And I think we put um, the level of... We try to just we try to give them everything that we feel like they need or things that we didn't have. We overcompensate. Yep. That's what we try to do for our kids. We try to overcompensate on things that we didn't have and we we begin to create this level of expectation that's not even it's not necessary. Your kid doesn't have to have the newest phone. Your kid doesn't have to have the newest shoes. Your kid doesn't have to have the newest laptop or anything like that. But because you might have grew up that way or you because you didn't grow up that way, you feel like it's necessary and this is a way for you to show your love. If you just give your kids 20 minutes of undivided attention a day, opposed to a screen or an iPad, I think that's going to bode so much better for you in your in their in their development. Mm-hmm. Just undivided attention. Put the phone down. If you got little, send one kid with one parent. You take one one kid, and y'all just switch them off. 10 minutes a piece if you got to. But that undivided attention where you're getting undivided playtime, you're getting undivided time to talk about whatever they find to be creative. Those things are what your kids are yearning for. Put them in front of a screen. Yes, they're 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 picking up on little, you know, what you call nursery rhymes and picking up on little characters that they like, but they're also taking on the personalities of whatever they 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 find on this screen to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I don't want a screen to raise my kid. I read this article the other day. It's spot on. I read this article the other day. It was talking about all these kids who are speaking in British accents because they're watching Peppa Pig. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I I was like, that's a lot of, you know, that just points to how much screen time that is Mm -hmm. for you to be picking up an accent from a cartoon character. Absolutely. You know, and it's it's abhorrent, man. You're right. Um, Let's see. What else? Let's talk about um, stages of parenting. So um, I'm going to list them first and then we can go back kind of through it. So. You know, I feel like there's this, uh, there was this stage for me and for most men where it's like, I don't feel like I want to be a parent and I'm not even sure if I can. And then there's like, I can't wait to be a parent. And then there's like, oh man, I'm a parent. And then there's, it's kind of cool to be a parent. And then I think the stage that we're, you know, going to start reaching sooner than later is, you know, uh, what's your kid teaching you? Mm-hmm. Right. And so what was it like, you know, kind of becoming a parent or becoming a dad, uh, do you remember what it was like, you know, in the beginning, infancy, all that stuff? I remember very vivid um, the stage that I don't know if I can be a parent or I don't know if I want to be a parent type stage. Uh, well, I mean, in our society, man, kid, people, my peers were having kids, like kids, kids, like 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. People were just having kids. And you like you see that you're like, wow, Man, they had kids early. And you, you I, I didn't have my first child till I was man 30 Mm. you know like i waited you know because i just didn't know if i was financially able like not not growing up in an environment where things financially were not secure on a month-to-month basis like i had to make sure before i brought a kid into this world that i could without a shadow of a doubt provide Mm -hmm. i can make sure that we could eat every night and the lights were going just the basic new essentials um, I didn't want to raise my kid in the same struggle that I had to take part in. So I was like, I don't even know if I can do this. Like, how much money does it cost like <laughs> per year to have a kid? You know, like when should I start saving for college? Like when, when do, 
where where does this money come from? Like, wh- it's just you know, and and now, even when when you when when they're infants, you know, you're you're. I was excited, you know what I'm saying? I was excited, I was proud, but then reality starts to hit. Like, dang, I gotta like make sure this thing is okay. Like, make sure this baby is fine. Make sure she is she she's not harmed or anything. So it's like a lot of stress comes on. You know what I'm saying? Once for me, just that the first three to six months, like we thought we were doing everything perfect, man. We brought Layla home that first night. We didn't have a piece of clothes, uh, no clothes that could fit her. Everything right. was just way too big. Way too big, man. Yeah, because like, you go buy a newborn and you realize like none of those sizes are accurate. No, man. Like, like what big baby is getting into this stuff? This this right. this on the first night out. You know what Judo I'm saying? Beautiful. <laughs> But I, and it is like, man, you you question yourself a little bit. Like, what is, what do I do about this? Can I handle this? And you oh, yeah. you you WebMD thing. Don't WebMD anything. But you look up and Google. Yeah. What should I handle? How do I handle this? And it's it's a little scary. But there's four thousand different things that tell you advice too, right? I hate that. Oh man, it's like sleep training. It's like never put them in the bed with you. Always put them in the bed with you. Yeah. Put them in a crib. Never put them in a crib. Put yeah. the crib in the bed with you. Yeah. And like. Never close your eyes. Like, yeah. always have a monitor. You better not have a monitor. Absolutely. I mean, you know, let them sleep three hours and feed them. Never let them sleep more than three hours. Never wake a sleeping baby. It's like, oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Like, and that's if you just have a normal kid with no, no special needs or issues. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. Absolutely. So, I mean, just, just those different stages, I, I can re- – I remember them. And I mean, I'm still in them, of course, because well, yeah. we got littles. But I, I remember just the fear and and not wanting to be a letdown, not wanting to be this type of dad or that type of dad, you know. Um, so, um, and who was that about? Man, that was all about me, right? You know what I'm saying? That was all about me. It was, but that's just how society has conditioned us, right? If your kids are doing anything bad, it's a bad reflection on the house because what goes on in this house stays in this house. And if you don't have no manners, it's a reflection of your parents. That's what you learned in school. That's what you learned in church. That's what you learned in just society. So you 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 anticipate that, man, this kid has to come out perfect. And if this kid doesn't come out perfect, well, I failed and I'm not, I gotta have a job. I gotta be living yeah. in a decent neighborhood. We gotta go to a de- decent school. We gotta do all these things so this kid does not fail and I look like this failure. You know what I'm saying? Like, I- I'll be honest with you, man. Um, Facebook. So you get people all the time that's happy about you know how their kid is doing and they post all these grades and that they're this top student and all these things and that's cool. But why don't we ever post when the kid is messing up? You know, because that just perpetuates the fear that a lot of us have. Like, if our kid isn't doing this, if our kid isn't, isn't looking like this, if our kid isn't perfect, perfect looking on every single picture, you have never have any messy pictures of your kids. Right. You know, show some real pictures of your kids. Like, your kids ain't perfect all the time. Oh, that's my favorite, right? Is like the family pics where you went and took pictures or you did infancy photography and you're, you're like, oh, these are beautiful. But like 45 minutes of that was you chasing your kids and then throwing Absolutely, up man. and then peeing on everything. Absolutely. And, and like everybody sees the pictures and just pretends like that wasn't, I mean, I remember doing infancy. We were so hot because we were trying to keep this baby warm. Mm-hmm. And like you got this little hands like posed up and it was like 95 degrees in our living room. We were sweating. Somebody was cussing somebody. Mm-hmm. But then the pictures come out. Ooh. Yeah. 
All that gets ignored. Absolutely. I mean, that's the problem with Facebook, though, in general. Like. Exactly. But And that's what you ha- for me at the time, that's what I had to compare mm-hmm. parenthood to. When I see all these people and there's kids doing all these wonderful things and all these kids, their, their hair is combed just <laughs> to the T and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, I got to learn how to do all this stuff. I don't know how to do any of those things. You just start to compare and contrast. But tell me, tell me the stages again. I, I can't remember. Oh, uh, let's see you know not wanting kids basically just being like no i don't want any i can't wait to have one you know oh goodness i'm a dad i mean we pretty much covered it um and then levels would be like uh you know pregnancy infancy toddlerhood we you know we're kind of in the middle of those things i just think it it's it's important to point out that for dads that are out there and and even moms like there are stages that we go through as parents and a lot of them are pretty normal and the comparison game like of oh these people do it this way and I'm not doing it enough and not doing it right right that's that's a lot more about you yeah so when you have little kids and you know I mean I remember all the things you learn as a as a dad when your wife's pregnant mm-hmm. you know you learn you know you you don't actually know what's going on for six months I don't know I don't I didn't anyway mm-hmm. you know it's like they get a head start on parenting right I mean they have this spiritual and emotional connection in the womb with the kid. And they have this bonding going on and they, you know, they're feeling the kid move. And, you know, a lot of dads say the kid comes out and they're like, I don't even know this thing. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to figure that out while trying to, you know, and, and a lot of guys are like, well, I'll just wait until six months when it's fun and they can walk around and talk and play and crawl. It's like, man, you're missing out on the sense. best part. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. Like, um, you know, women, you know, breastfeed and that the kid can only see, you know, 12 to 18 inches and that's it you know that they have a fixed view when they're an infant it's not closer and it's not farther away from breast to face Mm -hmm. and so i tell guys all the time like you're if your wife is breastfeeding you're going to get to see that kid for 20 minutes every three hours you know it's like nap poop breastfeed sleep go you know get Mm -hmm. so you better go change those diapers Right, you better take that kid and carry him in there and get him warm. You better do these things and hold them and keep them face to face because that's when your attachment happens. Absolutely, and that is going to matter when they're three mm-hmm. because they're going to listen to you better. They're going to trust you more. They're going to be attached Absolutely. to you. Absolutely, and guys forget that that's so important. It also gives your wife a huge break. Yeah, right. It's like this is not about you. This is about the kid. But that's the nurturing piece that many of us didn't get. No, and for if you sure. don't get a chance to see. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that women just kind of get that. You know, yeah. they, 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 they get baby dolls and they get the, like even kids, like my, 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 my kids have a little baby doll and they get to rock that baby doll. They get to do those things. And boys don't typically play with those baby dolls. So they don't know that this is something that's supposed to be done. This is natural. This is normal. This is not making your kids soft, you know. If, if they know how to nurture, if they know how oh, to yeah, be empathetic sure. or anything like that. But we got to start showing it. Do a better job. I think it's up to guys like us. And you do a really good job with your kids, just showing you just being a father. You know what I'm saying? With the stories, the things that you post, the pictures and all those things. I think those things are important to show what it's like to be a dad. And that a dad isn't being this rough, tough, masculine my way or the highway type person it's being more empathetic being firm and being able to um validate you know that those are some of the 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 skill set that i think 
I'm telling my friends that you need to have when I'm talking about parentinghood. Like, people come to me and ask me stuff like I just know it all. I don't. I promise you I oh, don't. Oh, yeah, me either. I just give some tips every now and then. Um, but if you're a parent and you're active and you're around your kids, in your kid's life and you're present, no matter what degree it is, you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to be good enough. That's it. I mean, you mentioned that balance. I think... You know, for a long time, you know, we had this kind of latchkey. Kids are to be seen, not heard. Yeah. Way over here. And that's a terrible philosophy and didn't work very well for our parents. And then what we saw was society swing over to everybody gets a trophy. You got to affirm everything. Everything's got to be, you know, therapeutic and non-crying. And, you know, and it's finding that balance in the middle that's so difficult. Yeah. You know, because we, we parent out of fear. Instead of being, and we, we do out of fear, we go, well, I don't want this to happen. I don't want this to turn out. So if I do this, those things won't happen. Absolutely. Instead of who is this kid? Who am I getting to know that's a human? Instead of being like, hey, Grady, hey, Jude, the Davis family, we do this. You don't do that, right? It's like, well, who are you and how do you fit into this family? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you, you know, Grady's playing violin. I've never played violin in my life. Some guys might look at that and go, violin, that's a sissy instrument. I mean, I haven't even thought of that until I'm saying it right now in my life, out of my mind. Because that's just what my kid wants to do. That's what he likes to do. We're, we're trying things out. But if he if he eventually wants to quit and do something else, like... It's fine. Yeah, but I got to take the time and energy to care about violin. Mm-hmm. To listen to it and to you know listen to the practices and put up with it and you know when it's <laughs> when it doesn't sound it's good. a lot of screeching <laughs> right especially when they're figuring it out yeah, but man. so many so many dads um, and parents in general you know they have this lack they have this deficit and then they want to reenact their childhood with their kids mm-hmm. and so they want them to play sports or they want them to do be a doctor or they want them to do these things and they think that if they parent this way they'll get that outcome and then their kid will be happy and then they'll be validated. Yeah. And that makes for just such a disaster. And so we, how do you try to find, to get to a question, how do you try to find the balance of being firm, being consistent, right, and also n- nurturing at the same time? Um, being therapeutic, I guess. Just to, I, I try to take a step back and realize that this is uh, about the kids and not about me. You know, I think that's, that's, that's what kind of helps me figure it out when they're having a tantrum now of course it's frustrating and and it and, and, and is you know is it makes me mad and all those things but for the most part i realize that okay this is not about me i can either escalate this problem or i can do what i need to do to uh de-escalate this co- problem and calm things down so how do i balance being firm um i try to be consistent like you said i guess there is no balance i just try to be consistent you know, I'm going to be very nurturing. I'm going to be, you know, happy and ready to play. And sometimes I don't necessarily want to play and I'll, I'll let them know that. But I'm going to be consistent. Um, so if daddy says what daddy says and daddy, if that's what daddy said, then that's probably what's going to happen. You can bust out crying. You can be upset. You can be mad at me. I'm OK with all of those things. But I'm going to be consistent because I want to be. Uh, I want I want you to know that it's safe to be whoever you're going to be around me because I'm going to be who I'm going to be around you. That's good, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I, I try to be as consistent as possible when when being nurturing and being firm. If it if it was a no yesterday, it's going to be a no today, too. If I told you that you weren't getting candy all day today because of your behavior last night, 
you're not gonna get candy today. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I, I messed up. I gave you candy at four o'clock. I shouldn't have <laughs> did that. And because, you know, it took us until eight or nine o'clock to go to sleep or because you had this big tantrum and falling out, I realized that was my mistake. So daddy is gonna take ownership and I'm not gonna give you candy tomorrow. Uh, and you gotta pay for it. <laughs> All of those things. You know things. what I mean? Well, cause you, you do, like Jude, we've been looking at stars on, um, like we have like this uh, star app on the iPad. So it's the only time they've ever gotten the iPad. We do this. We, they don't even know I have it really. Uh, but, um, you know, they forgot about it. You know, we used to let them do it on, like you said, when they travel, different things. But anyway, found the star app. And so we've been looking at the night sky. We'll go out there on the back porch and I'll point out the stars and the constellations and look at some stuff. It's been really fun. JC left for Bible study or something, and Grady was, I don't remember, it was something that I just did not have the capacity to do everything at the same time. So I downloaded this educational app for for Jude to do Old McDonald because he loves Old McDonald. Let him play it 10 minutes so I could do this other thing. I, I don't even remember what it was. And, you know, took it away. Of course, he was mad. For the next two weeks, he wanted to play Old McDonald on Daddy's computer is what he calls it, right? He didn't even know what it is. You go in the bathroom, Daddy's computer, I want to do Old McDonald. And it took two weeks of me saying no and listening to him throw a fit for five minutes and redirect him till he now, you know, this was only a few weeks ago, is not asking for it, doesn't even think it. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem, right? We give in so quickly because of the uncomfortableness of having to tell them no, having to listen to them whine, having to listen to them throw fits. But that's just what it takes. Habits, we, you can break them and they'll go away, but yeah. you have to be consistent. And again, in those situations, the whole seven out of ten rule, you got to throw out the window. Yeah. When it comes, yeah, to, absolutely. Like when it comes to technology and these things that they're melting down about, you can't have like a sometimes we watch TV at night and sometimes we don't. Yeah. Because they're going to want to watch TV every, every single, night. Yeah. If you give it to them, that's what they're going. That's what they're going to to expect. Mm-hmm. And um, so I mean, and even even. We're talking about from a dad's perspective, but it being being married, like you got to be on the same page with your wife on this oh, stuff. Oh yeah, Let's you know talk about that for because a if you're not on the same page, <laughs> it's need like two podcast exactly. So <laughs> I, my wife's gonna hear this, and <laughs> she may or may not like it, but I'm I'm more about following the rules and giving giving breaks from things. So I don't feel like we gotta have you don't you don't need a, a piece of candy every day. That's not something that's necessary. You don't need to watch TV every day. That's not something that's necessary. Let's take that time to uh, allow them to do some other things. Let's. It, you can have some fruit. You know, you can have something. If you want something sweet, let's go get some fruit. We got plenty of cantaloupe, pears, bananas, apples, whatever you want. Beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, all those things in the, <laughs> in the, in the refrigerator. You can have all those things. You know what I'm saying? So we don't have to just kind of give in because there is something sweet in the house mm-hmm. of course we're keeping something sweet in the house because if you have a tantrum and i can't control you i'm gonna give it to you you know what i'm saying if we're out in public this is my like this is my golden ticket absolutely life you, raft baby. exactly it's my little golden ticket let me calm you down here go your little gushers please chill out and let me <laughs> <laughs> let me do what i need to do um but i i'm more about following the rules and setting uh expectation because I want it to be clear. I don't want to develop new rules and develop expectations as we go along. Mm-hmm. If I establish them if I establish them now, when I have a seven or eight year old, not that I, I want it, but I'm I'm 
I'm thinking more than likely I'm going to have a more well-behaved child. For sure. Because I took the time at three and four to establish rules, to establish boundaries, to be firm, but also to say, hey, I understand it sucks and you want these things. I get it. I would love for you to have them. But because of your behavior currently, because of how you're falling out, because of how you're acting, I cannot give that to you. Yeah. Because it's going to be a win for you in the future. And I'm not giving you no unnecessary wins on, on this behavior deal. There's there's no budget on this. That's good. So um, it's, it's 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 tough, but I'm that's me. You know what I'm saying? I, I realized that my, my, my aunt was a school teacher for like 40 some years. And this is just how she is. And she has raised some like produced some of the best and brightest kids have come out of her classroom in elementary school. So being around her and seeing that, like, I appreciate that. I appreciate the, the need for rules because we want rules. Mm. We want to follow rules. We want, we don't want to be able to do whatever we, we want to do or. Well, we do, but we don't like it. Yeah, we do, but we don't like it. But, but when we do whatever we want to do, well now when somebody is trying to tell you to follow these directions or follow these rules in oh, school or follow these rules at work, you, you're apprehensive. You know, you don't want to do that. So it starts in the household. You know, yeah. we can't get mad at the teachers. We can't get mad at the counselors. We can't get mad at anybody else. It starts in a household. That's good, man. Yeah, you started to talk about wives. So, Oh, yeah. So let me get back to that. <laughs> so um, Christy is, she, when she's frustrated, she's just like, man, please. You know, just take it. You can have it. You know, leave me alone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Type stuff. Because she's just overwhelmed with, sure. with being a mom, trying to keep the house clean, trying to cook dinner, trying to respond to emails, trying to take phone calls, you know, because she works. So she's a realtor and people are just calling it at any time. So she literally can't entertain the kids. If she has a call coming through uh, about a house or from a contract or whatever it may be. So she may have to turn on that TV. And, you know, she'll she'll go to, to to the other room and and take that call. But that TV is on and we've gotten into disagreements because I'm like, man, every day I come in here, the TV is on. You know, I shouldn't have did that. But every day I come in here, the TV is on. And it's like. Well, do you know what I had to deal with today? Right. Do you did you know that I, I was cooking, that I was cleaning, that uh somebody peed on themselves that I had to mop the, the bathroom that I had to make sure this, this, this food didn't burn on the stove. And I got a call about work. And when she, it resonated, I was like, Oh, guess, I don't worry about the TV. A little 20 minutes. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, just keep it on for you know sure. And that's, and that's the point, right? Is that that book uh, in marriage is the same way. We yeah. make things about us yeah. in our expectations. But then when we make a compromise, Oh yeah, right. Just put it in my face. Perfectly understandable. <laughs> like we had a good reason for it, yeah. and that goes both ways, yeah. you know. But I think you bring up a great point. You know, it's so important for us to give each other grace in parenting, and let let the other person be good enough, because mm -hmm. they're going to have things that you don't like, and you're going to have things. But it's the team that yeah. we balance each other out, yeah. right? We, we, neither one, of, neither one of the people are going to be perfect. Yeah, they're not both going to be consistent perfectly. Somebody needs a little bit of, you know, of grace and Absolutely. openness and when somebody's a little bit more rigid. And everybody's yeah. marriage needs a little bit, you know, more. The goal is to strive to the middle, to yeah. work together, to sharpen each other, to make each other better, but to also be like, hey, this is just something that you're you're gonna be better at. Now Absolutely. that what I that what I don't mean is pawning things off on the other parent because you just don't want to do it. Oh yeah. Right? Like and I'm not saying y'all are doing that. I'm saying in general I see that in, in, in our sessions with couples like Oh well, I, I I don't talk about sex or I don't talk about this conversation or we're not gonna 
that's the mom's job or that's the dad's job. And it's like, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. It's both of your jobs. Absolutely. And you both need to be on the same page supporting each other to do that job. Absolutely. And that takes conversations at night, over dinner, over coffee. Like, how are we going to work this out together so we can be the best version of us, be authentic, so our kids see that, so they are authentic, yeah. so they're honest, so they're okay. Because it's uh, it's a work, man. I mean, But that's that's huge, though, Clint. We, we, we have to talk as parents. No matter if you're married, if you're dating, if you're co-parenting, whatever it is, you have to talk and be consistent with your kids. Because it's never, it's not the parents versus the kids. It's not the kids versus the parents. It should be all of us versus the problem, mm -hmm. right? You know, so if the problem is the grades are low, well, okay, we understand the kid is the one performing, but what's the real issue? Is 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 the kid not understanding? Does do do the kid does the kid need some more uh maybe some some after school attention or is there a learning, you know, issue going on there? Let's let's separate the problem away from uh who the person is. That's good. Like let's not stop pointing the finger at well you do this and you do this. If we both get on the same page and that's what had to happen. Me and Chris we just had to take some time to discuss, well, hey, these are some things I want out of my kids. These are some some expectations I, I would like to see them. I want to be a little more firm and, and set these expectations now so when we have five and six and seven years old, they're not they're they're well behaved, well mannered. Now I'm not expecting them to be robots, they're still gonna mess up. Sure. But if we set this expectation now at three, four, and five, seven and eight, we're gonna be, you know, some, it's not gonna be smooth sailing, but it'll be a whole lot better than we are if we if we, if we then if we don't do that. So, right. um, yeah, man, let's let you got to be a team when it comes to your kids. Yeah, for sure. I want to clarify too, like when I say when we say good enough parenting, what I don't mean is being like, well, that's good enough. What I mean is 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 being honest about who you are, working mm -hmm. really hard to be authentic as a person, and letting your brokenness be enough. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. I don't I don't mean, uh, well, we're just gonna let this be because you know I'm never gonna be perfect. And that's the air we talked about this when Absolutely. we had that conversation years ago. It's like we end up not doing the right thing because we feel like we have to be perfect. So we do the right thing three out of ten times instead of seven or eight out of ten times. Absolutely. And we're like, oh, it's fine. I'm never gonna be perfect. So here's the TV. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be perfect, so do whatever you want to. I'm never going to be perfect, so I'm going to yeah. yell at you and get this done. Instead of, okay, who am I? Who does God say that I am? Mm -hmm. what, what's going on for me right now that I'm wanting to fix this, control this, smash this, talk about this? Absolutely. Is this about the kid? Is this about my wife? Yeah. Or is this about my own ego and my own insecurity and my own projection of what I didn't get or what I think I should have gotten? Mm-hmm. And when you do all that, then the, who they are is, is out of the picture. Absolutely. But when you can go, who, who's Layla? Who's Grady? Mm -hmm. Right? Who, who's Christy? Who's JC? Yeah. What, what's going on for them? Yeah. What, what can I as a father bring myself to, to honor who they are, to honor who I am, and us do this together? Yeah, that's good. And, and that's, I'm not saying that's easy to do, but I am saying with God's help, with the Holy Spirit, with community, with other friends who know you, you can do it seven or eight out of ten times. Absolutely. You're going to have your moment where you yell. You're going to have your moment where you're lazy. You're going to have your moment where you turn the TV on. Or you have weeks where you get bad habits. I mean, we've done that where it's like, you know, sleeping's changed. Somebody's sick. Yeah. You know, you have five days where you're like, oh, man, they watch way too much TV the last couple of days. Okay, guys, no more TV time the next couple of days. You get one episode, and, and you, you don't just rip it away. You start prepping. Yeah. 
you start preparing them because you made the mistake as a parent. Absolutely. It's on you. It's but taking responsibility. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? That'll preach. That's 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 tough. Especially when you're faced with all the roles and responsibilities and the many hats that you wear. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to take that additional responsibility. But so so to just clarify, it's not your job to ensure um your kids grow up to be whatever you want them to be but you take responsibility for some of the pat- patterns and behaviors that you've helped in creating. Yes. So, so when they can come, because the, the dream is that they can come back to you as an adult or 20 year old and say, hey dad, there's some things you didn't give me. There's some things that didn't happen and that really stinks and it caused me some problems. And you can say, yeah man, I'm sorry about that. That's tough. Here's why that happened. Here's how, you know, here's how we can build that relationship back. Absolutely. Because they're all going to think that. And whether that's real or not real, their perception. Absolutely. You've got to be able to own your stuff as a parent and take responsibility as a human, as an adult. Yeah. And we got to take responsibility for what we do and what we bring to the table and not putting it off on our spouse or on our kids or on the school or on the teachers or on everybody else that's in our kids' life. Sometimes it's us. We let them watch TV too much. Oh, yeah. We gave them too much candy. We uh, made a big deal out of Christmas, and it shouldn't have been made this big of a deal. You know what I'm saying? We did all those things. Our kids didn't know nothing about this stuff. No. We, we, they t- we taught them. So, Same thing with racism. Absolutely. And we've had this conversation on another podcast. But, you know, my kids have never um, mentioned that uh, your kids are black mm-hmm. or that you are black. Yeah anything like that. Like when y'all come over to the house and hang out and play and Absolutely. like, they never say anything about it. And Grady's six. Like yeah. it, I'm not saying that if your kid does say that, that they're racist. I'm no. just saying it's so crazy to me, especially going to Montessori when there's all kinds of different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't notice it. Yeah. You know, they don't say things like that. They don't, we read books. We, you know, we have black baby dolls. We have different things in the house that have all kinds of different things. And that's Absolutely. just a normal part of their culture. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was just all white, all white people. Only thing I knew about black people was the negative things that people in my community said. Mm-hmm. And that's all I knew. Yeah. You know, and, and as, even as a kid, it wasn't even that I was racist. It was that I was ignorant. Yeah. I didn't know any different. But it's a beautiful thing to raise kids in a world where, you know, their their thought is we're all in this the same. Like Absolutely. this is just kids that we hang out with. Yeah. The more thing they don't like is that they wear some clothes or that they bully. You know, it's yeah. not even about what color their skin yeah. is. No, man, my, my girls, they, um, I haven't really heard them say anything like that. I think they know it exists. Yeah. They, they know, but they know that people are different, but for sure. They just know that people are different. And I think it's okay to know that people are different. It's visible. Right. That's that, just the that norm people, yeah. is people are different. That's yeah, what I but, mean. But it shouldn't be that they're, they're different and they're bad because of the difference. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, but, they, they definitely notice, you know, that other people, you know, but it, it's just it's never made a big deal and it's never pointed out to absolutely Um, and as they get older obviously we'll we'll be more nuanced with that we were talking about grady came home and he was like uh when's hanukkah this week Mm -hmm. and i was like this is one reason why and you know whatever people's thoughts are i love montessori because they teach them about different religions and different things they don't you know say you should do this or this is what it is but then he gets to come home and we i was like do you know what a menorah is do you know what this is and he was like telling me about it and and he was like yeah there's some people who believe this you know and i was like right that there are some people who are jewish and they don't believe jesus was this and we kind of got in that this last night at the table and that was it we moved on mm-hmm. but it's like 
respect those people, respect people's Absolutely. beliefs, Re- you know, respect the differences. We don't have to believe those things. Yeah. But, but that's, it, it goes back to what you were saying is more about us. Just because you don't believe that way doesn't mean uh, you have to be offended or upset or uh, mad or angry because somebody scared. has uh, scared because somebody has a different viewpoint than you have. It's just learn it, understand it. You don't have to agree with them. You can just say, I respect it. I appreciate that. I don't agree, but I respect it and I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. That's fine to, to say those things in that order. You don't have to agree with what everybody is saying, but respecting, and that's something I, I'm, I'm big on and I'm, I'm, I teach my kids not only to respect themselves, I want you to respect yourself first because if you don't respect yourself, it doesn't make no sense to give other people respect if you don't got respect for yourself. Mm-hmm. So respect yourself first. And then give respect to other people and give the type of respect that you that you want back. So uh, we got little, so they're not going to be able to conceptualize all those things right now. But it's I'm laying the groundwork. I'm, yeah, laying, so the, I'm laying the groundwork for all those things in the future so I can build up on this. I can build up on it. Uh, I think in the Bible or in church, I always heard precept by precept. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You want to build up on things. So you lay a foundation so that they know, okay, they're different. It's not bad. It's not scary. It's not fearful. It's, you know, well, they're just different. You can still go play with them. You can still go hang out with them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I, I I I like the fact that your um, Montessori is diverse, and they do get an opportunity to see a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, in everyone in every culture. You know, so yeah, and if you don't, and if you're listening to this, you're like, well, I can't afford Montessori, or I don't do that, or I don't agree. You know, just we have to build opportunities for yeah. our kids to be around different races, different cultures, different things, mm-hmm. or read books with them about different religions. Because what you don't want is for them to know nothing about it, be ignorant to it, and then it rock their world. Yep. You know, for them to walk into it. And, you know, I, there's other podcasts you can listen to that we do in, in the world about like talking to your kids about sex and all this kind of things. But mm-hmm. I did want to mention that and just touch on it. You know, as dads, um, you know, I think that's a super big role for us. I have two boys, you know, so we're already, you know, Grady's getting out of the bathtub with an erection the other night. And he's like, look at this. You know, it's his first time to really notice that something's different. Mm-hmm. And so we had that conversation. So this is what it's called an erection. You know, like if you keep messing with it, like it's going to get hard because it gets blood in it. You know, and it's going to hurt. He's like, yeah, it kind of hurts. I'm like, okay, well, leave it alone. Stop messing with it. Let's go. And then I just let it at that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, he quit doing it, and we—I didn't shame him. I didn't say stop touching that, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. You know, but because we get anxious about having those conversations because of our own story and our own stuff, we don't say anything. We're like, I'm not touching that. I'm not saying anything with that. I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole. Like, I'm not having that conversation. Yeah. We freeze. Yeah, and then they learn something. Absolutely. Right. They learn mommy and daddy don't know what to say, or mommy and daddy don't want to say it, or we don't talk about that. Yeah. And then that becomes a problem at 12. Yep. And so one thing that I think doing dad life and dadding is so important is, is scaffolding. Like you were talking about is building those things over time, Mm -hmm. having little tiny conversations multiple times over time so that your kid has context. Mm -hmm. So they're not surprised by life. Absolutely. They're not surprised by their neighbor watching something. They're not surprised by, you know, bad words. They're not surprised by things they learn through their own mistakes and their own context that this is a safe place. Absolutely. You can talk to me about things that we, I'm not going to shame you. We're not going to yell at you that there's a bridge in between me and you that's strong enough to hold whatever heavy thing you need to put on it. 
That's good, bro. And, and the longer we build that bridge and the stronger it is, the then they're going to put heavy stuff on it. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, hey, Dad, I did this thing. I saw porn. I got mad. I stole. I lied. All these things we're, we think we can protect them from, which we can't. No. Right? But they'll talk to us about it. Yeah. What they're not going to do is talk to us if we present, number one, we don't talk about these things. And number mm-hmm. two, if I catch you, I'm going to be angry or disappointed or mad because what you did is a reflection of me. Yeah. And then what they're going to learn is I can't tell dad that. And you know this. You see teens all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, I can't. T- There's no way I can tell my dad. That would break my heart if that was Grady's thought. Right. I want his first thought to be, let me, let me go tell dad. Right. Yeah. You've seen that post about God. Like it's the same way. Absolutely. It shouldn't be. I can't tell God he's gonna be mad at me. It should be. I can't wait to tell my father about this. Absolutely. And I want that to be the same role for me, for you, for the people we see. Yeah. But man, that takes work. It takes getting back in here and, you know, digging in some things and figuring some things out as a father, having humility. It's time too, man. We, we got to make the time for it. You know, we, we, we got to make it a priority just to know that I'm not perfect. I'm not right. So uh, I'm not going to be doing this 100% right all the time. But if I can make time to recognize where are my deficiencies and figure out how I can work on them and how I can strive to uh, be better and become the best version of myself uh, and the best version of myself for my kids, then I think um, we'll be in a healthier position. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll just be in a healthier position. So let's get off autopilot. And I think you've done an excellent job of getting off autopilot and really helping me get off autopilot, not only as a father, as a husband, as a as a leader, as a just just as a all these things that you help me with. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. we have to get off autopilot and really do the work and look at the reflection in the mirror and see what that reflection is saying to you. It's good. Good stuff, man. You're welcome. You too. Same thing. It's reciprocal. It's good to be friends and to be growing up together in therapy. I mean, we've known each other for almost 10 years now, ever since Easter seals, baby. Easter seals, man. We've known each other 10 years. Yeah, I know. It's been good stuff. Golly. I know we're getting old. My dad came out last week and, uh, had that moment. Uh, I was jumping on the trampoline with the boys and messing around wrestling and, he came walking out and he said, uh, man, you're moving good for almost 40 year old. And like, I know that I'm 38, but man, it hit me like a, a, a ton of bricks. I was like 40. And I kind of had this moment like, Oh man, I am a grown man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. cause sometimes you, even at almost 40, I feel like such a child, Yeah, man. especially around my parents, around like certain age groups. It's mm-hmm. like, I just feel like such a baby. Yeah. And I'm like, I just arrived and I'm like, Absolutely. I got this practice. We lead. I'm a parent of two Absolutely. boys. Like I'm a husband for 11 years, but like you always feel like you haven't arrived or you're not old enough or you're not, you know, there's always somebody wiser. Then I think the biggest lesson I, I have learned is just to realize that's the case. Mm-hmm. That we're going to do this podcast and we're going to listen to this in 10 years and just laugh at ourselves and how we stupid we are. Yeah. yeah like, but <laughs> that's where wisdom is, right? Absolutely. When you're 30, when you're 25, you think you know everything, mm-hmm. right? And then you become 30, 35, you have some kids and you realize, I don't know anything. And I'm going to do the best like we're doing today to kind of cover some things. But I know that there could be way more to cover, that people Absolutely. are listening way smarter than me that have teenagers and who are in the thick of adult kids and you know, and they, there's so much we could have covered on this podcast, but I think, you know, the, the key takeaways, you know, uh, for us is that we have littles and we need to be authentic. We need to be congruent with who we are. We need to use each other for that. And if you don't know how to do that, if you find yourself reacting with pride and anger and you burn out, 
then you need to get some support and figure out why you're doing that. Yeah. Because it's not your kid's fault. Mm-mm. They don't know any better. They're doing what every other kid does. And if you don't have um, perspective, then get some. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you think it's just your family that's uniquely broken and just chaotic, it's everybody. Absolutely. Nobody's sleeping good. Nobody's slept in like six years, you know, with littles. Nobody's kid eats anything but two or three food. My kids have allergies. They got, you know, five choices in general. Mm-hmm. And my other friends are like, my kid doesn't eat anything but chicken nuggets and macaroni anyway. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's difficult for all of us. Don't measure yourself against other people. You know, be a parent more than you do parenting. Yeah. I mean, these are some things that I think, you know, I'm learning that we've talked about a bunch of times. And I hope that you listen out there, whether you're a dad or a mom, parent in general. I mean, these things apply across the board, not just for dads. Um, So a couple more questions before we get off because we got a few more minutes. Um, What do you want your kids um, to say about you when you pass? Like if they were at your funeral, what is something that you'd want your kids to say about you when? Hmm. I would uh, I would want my kids to um, tell me, would say about me that I was um, that I cared about them, that I loved them, and that uh, I was supportive of them and 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 worked my hardest to 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 be my best you know, on a daily basis, uh, that I was a, just a good example for them, uh, not only of how to live their life in accordance to God's will, but how to live your life and to be the best husband, the best father, the best friend that you can possibly be, but the best that you can be for yourself. You know, I really want, I really want my kids to know that it's not about me. It's about you. And I want to instill that into them. Like, let's, Make sure that you're good for you. Make sure that you're independent and you're 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 aware and that you're not on autopilot. I'm using autopilot, but I want them just to know that I instilled and gave them the things that they needed in order to be sufficient. But I worked hard and I loved them and I cared for them. Mm-hmm. What about That's you, good. bro? What about me? Um, yeah, very similar. Um, I tell Grady and Jude all the time, Grady, because it's easier to talk to him. But you know, I'm like, you know, who loves you more than me? And he's like, who? And I'm like, God. And, and that's hard. It was the first couple of times I said that to him, it was kind of like, Oh, like, I don't want him to think anything loves him more than me. Mm-hmm. And, and I've transitioned in the last couple of years of realizing like, no, I want him to know that I'm not all he needs. Yeah. That there are other people who can love him, that he is his own person with or without me. If I die in a car wreck tomorrow, or if I get cancer, if I'm not, that he's going to have to learn to be in the world without me mm-hmm. and that he's okay. Yeah. Right. That his worth and value is not based on his performance, his behavior, but it's it's based on God's love for him, ooh, you know, and that's hard to, it's hard to. I want to, and I, and more than that, I want to treat him that way. Yeah. So if that's my goal, if that's my vision for what I want him to say at my funeral or when I'm gone, then I have to behave as if I believe that now. And that's the accountability piece. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's tough, so man. if if, if I, I hope that all parents out there ask yourself that question, and um, when you when you answer. Ask yourself, does your actions match it? Match what you just told yourself. Yeah. And you know? would your friends hold you accountable? It's like me and you know, my friend CJ knows, my friend Uriah. And you, you know, we all know that if, if you're at my house acting a fool with your kid, we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? If I see you yelling at your kid or smacking your kid or shaming your kid, we're going to say, bro, 
what's up with that? Like, yeah, love yeah. you, man. That's not who you are. Yep. What's going on for you? Like, no, that's good. You know, and then you go back and you go, hey, sorry, Layla. Sorry, Grady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I shouldn't have acted that way. Yeah. And it's rupture and repair. Yeah. There's going to be moments of rupture and we're going to repair. So, yeah, I think that's it. Last question. Um, what's something that you would want them to know? So that was kind of like, what would you want them to say? About me? But just what's one thing you would want them to know? It can be about you. It can be. I'm going to give I'm. I, it's, 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 this. All right. One thing I would want them to know is it's an affirmation that I give them every day. We do affirmations like every single day. So is that they have the ability to do anything they want to do. And they know they have the ability to do anything they want to be and that they can do hard things. Mm -hmm. Like that's an affirmation that I give them all the time. I just, I, I beat it like a, like a dead horse. You I got know, it above my door, man. Yeah. And I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've seen that and we I never even hard read things. it. Yep. Yeah. We, so I just want them to know that they can do hard things and they can be anything that they want to be. Nobody can tell them who they can't be. Not me, not your mom, not anybody in your classroom. You can do anything and be do anything you want to be. I, man, we got a whole list of affirmations. That's good. It's like I bombard them with it, you know. So, But, yeah, they can do anything they want to be, anything they want to be, and they can do hard things. That's good, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on here. I love you, buddy. Love you too, bro. Yeah, man, this is good stuff. Um, if you're out there listening, you know, and you're a dad or your mom and you had a dad, like, and you're struggling, please get into therapy. Please call. You know, these are just our words, our stuff that we're talking about. Trying to be honest as clinicians, trying to be honest as dads. Yeah. There's a hundred more things we could talk about, but um, but there is help. You know, you can you can do better. You can live up to the standard. You can step up. You can, you know, find a challenge in your life and you can meet it. That does not mean you have to be perfect. That does not mean that you have to be everything for your kids or for your spouse. But it does mean you have to be you. And the good and the bad, the ugly, be authentic. Because that's what people want. People want you to be your true self. Absolutely. Um, and if the things in your life you don't like or the goals are not being met, then you have, like you said, you can do hard things and you can be vulnerable. You can learn new pathways in your brain and do new habits and hang-ups. You're never too old. Um, so... That's it. We're done. Uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, on YouTube, on all the places you can subscribe to it, too. Uh, visit our website at clintdaviscounseling.com if you need therapy. If you if you need therapy in your area, give us a call. We can hook you up and look for somebody in your area. Um, God bless. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, y'all. Happy Hanukkah. All those things. Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all of that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Love y'all.